Welcome to The Confessionalist. Today we're talking about the county and what's a good one to move to. I'm Ray Simmons and we're on episode eight. happy to be back. We're in the midst of the COVID pestilence resurgence Delta variant, and we're not expecting it to go away until we repent as a society. And that's why we're here, to revive the practice of social confessionalism, choosing this day, uh, not just as individuals and not just as families and not just as churches, but as, as all of comprehensive society choosing who we will follow. It's about reviving Christendom locally. I like what Andrew Sandlin wrote in his latest newsletter. He said that many of us are now saying that we live in post-Christian America. I've been saying that. But Sandlin says a better term is post-Christendom America. In other words, Christianity is still here, just not in its true scope. Today, anything that hints of a Christian moral code is uh, is opposed, either directly or maybe even indirectly, un- uh, unknowingly almost. Therefore, It's really Christendom that we're on the backside of, not Christianity. I think he's right. Uh, We've moved, as Sandlin says, from secularism to paganism. And really, it's a neo-paganism. We don't have totem poles, and we don't paint our bodies. Well, never mind. I guess we kind of do. But our, our, our child sacrifice is much more hidden, but it's just as prevalent, just as active. We are living in post Christendom America. But the Lord is moving, and there's a path toward local Christendom. Ironically, because of this neo-paganism and the tyranny and the idolatry and all these things, we're seeing a resurgence of the county, particularly the rural county. Go to the website, sanctuarycounties.com. According to them, as of today, over 61% of the counties in the U.S. have become Second Amendment counties. Now, I, I checked a couple of sources. That number seemed kind of high, but it is thrown around in a number of places. So I'm, I'm, I can't say for sure that that's accurate, but whatever the case is, it's growing. And the media is not talking about this. It's not a good narrative for a centralist agenda. States, too, are making a stand, at least on guns. Uh, We're up to 21 states now that are constitutional carry. I think my state was the the last one a few few months ago. And this is a a check on uh, centralist overreach. So in many ways, this is a tale of two movements, each one propelling the other. The more centralist overreach actions occur, the more of these counties you will have. And that's what happened in, in Virginia last year. Governor Northam signed a so-called gun safety law, and he basically lit up all of the counties in Virginia. All of them became sanctuary counties, except for those around D.C. and Charlottesville. We also are seeing constitutional counties come up. And I like this. that I, I like that it doesn't have the word sanctuary in it, so it's more offensive in nature. And boy, do, do we need some good offense. There's even a constitutional sheriff's group. So sheriffs are, are learning more about this whole thing. What I like better than the Second Amendment and constitutional counties is the sanctuary counties and cities for the unborn. Santa Rosa County in Florida became a, a sanctuary county for the unborn on the last election day. You know, that, that infam, infamous day we all remember very well. Yeah, so Santa Rosa County in Florida. Now, most of these sanctuaries for the unborn are cities. They're 
well, they're really towns, most of them. And this only started two years ago. Wascom, Texas was the first. Um, it's still going on, though. Just this month, Hillsdale City Council. Um, Hillsdale is a, uh, is a town up in Michigan. That I, I think that's where Hillsdale um, University is, about 8,000 people, about two hours outside of Detroit. Well, they've proposed an ordinance that would outlaw abortions, abortion clinics, as well as health professionals distributing drugs that induce abortions. So this sanctuary uh, for the unborn seems very good. Now, I don't know if they're bringing in the confession part of it and calling out to Jesus. I'm going to research this more. But on the surface, it sounds good, and I think it is, but I do have a caution. This sanctuary county movement seems very good, but I, I don't think it goes far enough to please the Lord. I'm concerned, actually, that they may make us think that we're okay now because we have a document or a city or a county resolution that says we're not going to play ball with the centralist tyranny or we're not going to allow Roe and, and our country. Both very good things. But the problem is that that's not enough. It's like us saying, um, like the, the, the prophet and the priest of Jeremiah 6 said, and this comes from Jeremiah 6, 14, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. We don't want to be slightly healed. God says that's a bad thing. What it does is it removes some pressure and makes us feel good. But Second Amendment counties don't meet muster when it comes to the Bible and how to get out of, uh, of judgment. I think that sanctuary counties for the unborn and towns for the unborn is better. Well, what we really want is to live and act like uh, Jeremiah 26 talks about. So Jeremiah 26, verses 12 and 13, here's what it says. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore, now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. So so Jeremiah talks to comprehensive society, princes and to all the people in the city, and to tells, tells them to basically change all their ways to come in line with the Bible. And that's what, that's what Christendom is, and, and that's our target. Well, I promise I'm going to get to our topic of how to choose a county. But what I'm leading up to is the opportunity to combine two things, to combine two things together. The first thing, is the existing local civil structure that comes to us as a remnant of Christendom, and that is the county. The second thing is the pattern and command of social confessionalism in the Bible. Interesting. The county is one of the few remaining elements that we still have built on the idea that Christ, and not sinful man, has dominion. Rush Dooney writes this, the ideas of decentralization were basic to Christendom. It gave way to a social system in which local power was basic. American federalism was created as a Puritan version of medieval feudalism. Did you hear that? The, the decentralization that we are seeing come back to life in counties is really, it's, it's just exciting and energizing a civil structure that we have 
And I like that. You, you mean our counties are based upon a Puritan-influenced version of medieval feudalism? Uh, <laughs> giddy up. That pony will ride. What I've been saying in a long-winded way is that the overarching criteria for a county is one where you can build, at least for this strategy that, 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 I'm, um, that I'm putting forward. One where you can leverage the county as a holdover from, from Christendom, but you want to bring it all the way to the market. The approach I'm talking about is a county where, in a reasonable amount of time, maybe a couple decades, you will have a Christianized county and also a Christianized town. Now, in order to do this, you have to have mostly Christians, Holy Spirit indwelled, Bible-believing sons and daughters of God. You, you need some numbers. And let me say this, there's nothing shameful, nothing unfaithful about wanting to outnumber the neo-pagans. God has ordained and used strength in numbers in historical ways, like uh, to enable the exodus from, from Egypt and the return from, from Babylon. There was supernatural, but God also used the natural numbers of, of the Jews to do this. So I want to outnumber the neo-pagans in a couple of decades locally. Now, evangelism will be a part of that, but so is Christians strategically relocating, migrating, colonizing, like they used to do. So let's get into it. The first criteria I have for selecting a county is location. I want it to be far enough away from the metropolis for us to be able to establish our own culture, far enough to establish our own culture. To some extent, you have to get out from under culture to build a new one. This is the advice that I got from a wise mentor who's had success in establishing a local deliberate, uh, deliberate culture, a Christian culture. Also, from my experience, I lived in a rural county just outside the metro, like, you know, 20 minutes outside the metro, two of them actually. They were essentially bedroom communities. No one shopped there or worshipped there or went to doctors there. Everyone in, in the morning would leave and just sort of disappear into the metro and then reappear for dinner. The only thing that you did locally was sleep and mow your lawn. And I, I have found that about an hour outside of a metro is where you're no longer a bedroom community. Uh, therefore, you, ha- you have no choice but to be local. Here, establishing a local culture is not only possible, it's unavoidable. Uh, you'll start to see local stores and, and, and services. Even some specialty medical will start to become available once, once you're that far out. For example, we have a podiatrist in my town because... You know, people have feet and you kind of need that, that doctor. The other thing is that prices drop off significantly once you are out of driving range of the, of the big city. That has a double effect, one where you can live out there cheaper today. And, and that's good, especially if you can sell urban high and buy country low. That, it works out pretty well. And two, and this is a big one, your, your children will be able to better find affordable housing when they get married and want to move in. Housing in rural towns and the housing in, in the country there are pretty affordable, whereas the prices in the country right outside a metro are usually high because they can be. 
there's more competition for those acreages right outside the city. But it's still good, I think, to have some access to the big city, airports, uh, certain stores, buying used stuff on Facebook Marketplace. We, we have a, a store we like to go to on the rich side of town. It's a children's secondhand clothing store, and they have great clothes for like three bucks. So all these kind of things, they're advantages. So the best, I think, is if the city is accessible but not convenient. You're usually local, but occasionally you need to take advantage of the city. I also want to be within about an hour of the state capital, maybe an hour and a half. This allows our sons to be state representatives. State laws are very important. Remember, the states are countries. And so this is very important for us to be close to the capital because our sons can be representatives and they can still be around their families when the state Congress is in session. For example, my state senator lives about two hours from the Capitol. I, he, he lives on the far side of my county. I'm pretty sure he's in my county. Maybe not. But anyway, he, he's a homeschooling dad, and he has two houses. He's got one here locally and one in Des Moines. He moves his family two times a year, back and forth, so he can be around them every evening. And I, com I commend him for that. But I'd like to avoid owning two houses if possible. So I figure... Within an hour and a half is close enough such that, uh, such that they could commute daily, especially if we ever raise the speed limit to what it should be, but that's, that's a different discussion. So my location criteria for a county, about an hour outside of a metro to establish our own culture and less than an hour and a half to the state capitol. So that's location. Population is next. Now remember, this is based on a strategy to build. For that, I say the county should be a max of 10,000 people if you are starting from scratch and planning a new church. I'd say about 25,000 max if there is already a healthy and strong church established there. And by healthy, I mean one that understands the comprehensive reign of Christ, which usually means a Reformed church uh, that has a uh, uh, a theonomic outlook and an, um, you know is optimistic on on eschatology, so ten thousand with no church, twenty five thousand with a healthy church, and a number of families already there. Now I get these numbers in a semi scientific way, looking at how many people you need to elect people from your own cloth, from your own church to the county positions, and here's a secret: the primary election in the summer, the one that no one hears about. It's almost the secret election. That's the real election. It's the uh, real election because in a conservative county, it's going to be the Republican who wins the general election. But just because someone is Republican doesn't mean that they are fit to rule. Did you know that early on, most of the states had requirements for men to be of the Protestant faith to hold office? They were in line with the Bible. And that, that actually continued until the, the war between the states um, in, in the South. Tennessee, Tennessee uh, today still has a requirement in its constitution that you can't hold office and be an atheist. Anyway, if you vote in the primary, a, a county of about 10,000 people, you only need about 100 votes to get your guy into a county supervisory position. So they usually divide the counties into three 
uh, districts, and there's three county supervisors. And so you're you're looking at about 300 votes, and you get a clean sweep. And it's 300 for the sheriff, too. You only need about 300 votes, and you can get your guy into the sheriff position. So my estimation is that this is a reasonable goal in a decade or two, maybe sooner. Now, we're talking about the civil magistrate, and I, I, I think you know by now uh, that I don't believe that the civil magistrate is the most important social institution. The family and the church are foundational. It's just that in our circles, by God's grace, we do have some faithful families and we have faithful churches, but we don't have a straight-up, unashamed Christian magistrate. So, on my estimation, a population of about 10,000 max allows you to move in with about five to 10 families, plant a church, and get to a point of all of society confession within a decade or two. Uh, It's up to God, but I think it's reasonable. If you already have a strong church and a number of families in place, then my max is about 25,000 people. Also, keep in mind the influx of the people. One of the biggest challenges that Puritan New England had was the influx of people who were not on the same sheet of music. And this was happening pretty early, by the mid to late 1600s. And it had its effect. So keep in mind how many people are moving into your county and where they are coming from and what their beliefs are. The third criteria is feasibility. This is the catch-all category, the tangibles. Is there land available for for purchase? Is the economy good enough such that people can move in and start businesses and and, and find jobs right away? Or, Or do people have a plan to start a local economy within themselves? I don't want to rule that out. It's just not for the faint at heart. Is it a nice place to live? Good soil, good weather, available water, some natural resources such as lakes or rivers. For those who want to work remotely, do you have internet cable or fiber in the towns? What about in the country? You might want to consider if there is a community college within driving distance. This will help your sons uh, should they need to take some training for a trade or a professional skill. Uh, For most other secondary education, I think you can just get it online. Is there a hospital? We've been to the hospital in our small town many times. It's nice to have that. It also helps with local culture because your doctors are your neighbors. Also, I really don't want an entrenched culture. I'd rather have a dysfunctional, broken county than one with a fully functional economic development count, uh, you know, committee or a cultural arts initiative, something like that. Um, you, you want to be able to build culture as much as possible. And of course, what are the taxes? High taxes are tyrannical. We, we mentioned this last time, but also look at the tax structure of the state. Where is their revenue coming from? I don't like state income taxes as a revenue, but I especially don't like property tax as a state revenue. And there's only a few states that do that. In conclusion, I want to read something to you, something that I hope you will agree with me is wrong, okay? This is from Nathaniel Philbrick's book, The Mayflower, and he's speaking of the original Plymouth settlers. He says this, The pilgrims had been driven by fiercely held spiritual beliefs. They had sailed across a vast and dangerous ocean to a wilderness where, against impossible odds, they had made a home. And this is the part I want you to hear. The purity 
of the old comer's purpose and the magnitude of their accomplishments could never again be repeated. Now, something in me rails against that last sentence. I think it's dead wrong. And I think we need to renew our minds on this point. The purity of the old comer's purpose and the magnitude of their accomplishments can absolutely be repeated. In fact, knowing what I know, I, I think that if these same people were plopped down into our day of gender confusion and forced vaccinations and celebrated pluralism, I think Philbrick is wrong. I, I think William Bradford and the others would opt for a rural county to move to and separate from culture in order to build and reattack culture. I really do. So after choosing a state, choosing a county is very important. The location of that county is important. You can change a lot about a county, but you can't pick it up and move it, especially if you're looking at long-term, you know, putting down some roots. My goal is to be about an hour outside the metro and within an hour and a half to the state capitol. The population we talked about also, that's a, that's a consideration. That doesn't mean that God won't reform a large city by the work of a small group. We have Gideon's 300 men as an example, just whooping up on the Midianites with only 300 chosen men. But we also have the more uh, extent situation observed in the Bible and observed in nature of taking over by numbers. And that's a faithful move too. So consider the population. Then there's the tangibles, you know, what, and these have to do with the ability to plant and the ability to stay there, and also with encouraging people to move uh, as we Christianize rural America, land, weather, soil, taxes, culture, uh, economy, all important considerations. Just keep in the back of your mind. And I think this, this, this mindset it, it needs to return. It is possible to start from scratch. Every single country, state, county, and town was started from nothing by people like you and I. So choosing a strategic place to relocate, I think, is a good step towards building Christendom. And I think the county is, is, is the unique place where we can put those two things together, that decentralization that comes from the Puritan view of medieval feudalism and the confessionalism that we see in the Bible. Well, it's been a, a, a pleasure to talk to you about these things. Until next time, Psalm 6311. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. <laughs>